Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Yes. Do talk back, as long as it's nice. Um, yeah, my name's Paul, one of the leaders here, one of the elders uh, at King's Queen's Church, and it's a privilege to be able to start a new series uh, today. Uh, we're currently, well, we're going to be working our way through the New Testament letters of one and two uh, Thessalonians, and we've We've entitled the series Triumphs and Trials. There's a little tagline which says, Abundant Life in Uncertainty. So triumphs and trials, abundant life in uncertainty. The reality is that we all, as human beings, none of us is unique. We all experience highs and lows in our lives. Some seasons are a mixture of highs and lows. Some seasons are just really great. Some seasons are really difficult. But we all experience highs and lows. Whether you call yourself a Christian or not, whether you have got friends who are not Christians, we all experience difficult times and good times. Whether you've been a Christian for five minutes, five years, or 50 years, we all experience different seasons of life. Some seasons just take it out of you. Some seasons you feel really full up and, and you're like just flying. But we all experience different seasons. For this series, we're going to be looking at that. We're going to be looking at the highs and lows. We're going to be looking at how the author, Paul, uh, addressed some of these highs and lows in life. When we experience good times, the reality is that we can start to take things for granted so when life's just going well and it's all going swimmingly and everything's in order and, uh, you know, we're getting good night's sleep and work's going well and friend, like we've got good friends, we can often start taking these things for granted and actually stop pressing into God, the giver of those good things. When things are difficult, when they're hard, sometimes these things can spiral us into anxiety or depression or hopelessness. And we'll do well, even in these times, to learn how do we press in to God? How do we press into his kindness? How do we press into his grace and his mercy? So wherever you feel you're at this Sunday, wherever you are going to end up this term, we trust that this will be a helpful series for you, for your friends. Let me encourage you to be inviting your friends and encouraging them along, sending links to the talks if they're applicable with conversations you've been having with them. We trust that God's Word is not just good news really for those who have already come to know it is good news, but it's good news for the world. So let's be on the front foot in sharing that as well. Lord Jesus, we want to pray uh, please join with me. We want, we want to pray and ask you that this series would do us good as a church, that it would lift our eyes to you, God, that through the highs and lows of life that we would support and love one another, that we would care for one another, we would be there with one another, celebrating in the good times and crying and, and standing alongside one another in the hard times. And I pray that above all that we would, as Christians and as a community, would press into you, God, We'd come to know more of your mercies that are new every day. We'd come to know more of your grace and your favor over us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Are we excited? I love starting a new series. Everything is before us. The possibilities are endless. And uh, hopefully we'll keep the, the energy up as we go through uh, the series this term. Okay, so... 
Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. We're going to be going through both letters in the series, but we'll start just really today with an introduction. We're going to be looking at the city of Thessalonica. We're going to be looking at the people. We're going to try and just get behind the scenes of who were these people. What was their background? How did they become Christians? How, did the church, how was the church formed? So it'll be very much introductory. We'll get a feel for who they are, hopefully so that then as we come to unpack more of the scriptures, more of these letters, that we'll see, ah, oh, that's why Paul's speaking to them about that. And it'll hopefully be more beneficial as we do that. Okay, so verse 1 of 1 Thessalonians. Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, in God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. So this is the introductory, the first part of Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. We're going to look just briefly, hopefully, at the place, the people, and then we're going to delve deeper into Acts 17, which is where we read about how this church started. So first of all, the place. Can, we should have a map, uh, Sam, if possible. I know the, the light's not very good, but um, can you guys read any of those words? Not, not hugely. Okay. Well, basically, Paul, the Apostle Paul is on his second missionary trip, and he's traveling through various places, and he's proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's traveling through, basically, uh, from the, the east, uh, so Antioch, all the way through to the west. And the last place uh, currently, or where we're at today, really, is Thessalonica. So he's been to Philippi, he's been to Neapolis, Troas, he's heading west. And as he goes into each place, he's telling people about Jesus Thessalonica was one of the largest cities in the Roman world. It was a big city, an influential city. It was right there on the coast. It was about 100,000 people, so probably sort of half the, roughly half the size of, of Norwich City. Um, so quite a big uh, city in those times. And Paul was traveling along a Roman road which connected Greece to Byzantium, which is modern-day Istanbul. Let's look at the people. We've got three people mentioned here, Paul, Silas, and Timothy. The Apostle Paul, he's the author of these letters. He was an apostle, he was a church planter, a pastor, a teacher. Okay, you probably can roughly guess what church planter is, a pastor, a teacher, but what about an apostle? What is an apostle? Well, apostles essentially plant and strengthen churches. That's what they do. We believe that apostles are, for us today as well, not just the apostle Paul or the other apostles, the 12 disciples, but actually throughout church history, there have been apostles who have gone round, proclaimed the gospel, planted churches, and then gone back and encouraged and strengthened them. We as a church, as kings, are part of relational mission. That is the apostolic family of churches that we are connected in with. They are strong, deep relationships that we have in that church family. The apostles that uh, would uh, care for this family of churches would be Mike Betts. So he was around about nine or so years ago when relational mission started and and came out of uh, New Frontiers as a whole. 
But since then, Steph Liston and Morris Nightingale have been uh, recognized as apostles and brought through uh, to serve the family of churches as well. So we've got three apostles. They, they plant and strengthen churches. That's what they do. They're in and out of churches. And in this next season, um, those three apostles have been delegating responsibilities to various other people. And one of those would be John Bearden. So John Bearden's over in Deerham. He's led the church there uh, for a number of decades, I think, now. And uh, he, yeah, Johnny and Sarah are from Deerham uh, and uh, were part of the church there as well. So under his leadership and I think largely involved in discipling. Uh, you guys, which is great. So uh, in this next season, we're actually going to be connecting more with John uh, Bearden as a church. He's going to be over here uh, to preach, I think, at the start of October, um, our prayer and vision night that Steve mentioned uh, this coming Friday. He's going to come along. I'm going to interview him and ask him a bit more about how we're going to be connecting with him in this next season. So we're excited about what God is doing with us in that. So Paul was involved in planting and strengthening this church in Thessalonica. He loved them. If you look at 1 Thessalonians 2, I'll read out verses 7 to 12, and we'll get a little bit of a feel for Paul's heart for this church, for these people. He says, We were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who Uh, among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So Paul describes himself here in his relationship with this church in Thessalonica as both a nursing mother and an encouraging father. He takes on both responsibilities, but he just loves them so much. He's got a very protective heart over them. He wants to make sure that those who have started following Jesus continue following Jesus. And if you, if you look at a, a, a new mum, they're so protective over their children. It's like you go near the child, and if you've got any like, you know, potential harm coming to the child, the mum is straight in there, protected, like, get away. Like, that, that nothing's going to happen to their young. Paul is protective over them. But he also, as a dad, wants to encourage, to spur on, to give a backbone to this church and say, look, come on, let's press on. Let's not do this. Let's do this. So he's a father to them as well. Then we've got Silas. So Silas was a partner with Paul in the gospel. He's not the main man, and actually being the main man, it's it's not about that. It's about playing your part in God's family. Paul might be the more noticeable one. He was the one that wrote these letters. But Silas was absolutely key as a partner in the gospel. 
just as a quick encouragement, just a quick challenge, how are you partnering with others in the gospel? Maybe it's a ministry on a Sunday. Maybe it's, you know, serving on a team and you're partnering with others in, in helping the gospel go forward. You know, helping with AV. We, you guys can hear me. You, it, 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 we're recording it. You know, it's that sense of actually partnering in the gospel. We're doing this together. It might be through King's Hope Initiative during the week. It might be just partnering with a friend and you've both got uh, another friend who doesn't know Jesus, but you're, you're trying to tell them about how good he is and you want them to come to know him. We partner with one another. And that's, that's what Silas was. He was alongside Paul. He's like, Paul, what do you need? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to help? How can I serve the mission best? And thirdly, we've got Timothy. Paul and Silas, will read about um, them in Thessalonica in a minute in Acts 17. But they get mobbed and they only get to spend a few weeks in that city. Paul has to move on and he's so concerned about them that he ends up sending this guy Timothy to them. He wants to be encouraged by a, an encouraging report that actually they are still following Jesus. So there's this guy Timothy who knows the Thessalonians as well. And Timothy is sent to encourage and establish them in the foundation of Jesus Christ. So those are some of the key players, some of the key people. But without further ado, let's, let's work through Acts, a bit of Acts chapter 17. So if you scroll back in your Bibles, Acts largely records the the first 30 years of the church and the apostles going around planting churches and, and uh, it's a great narrative read in that sense. So chapter 17 verse 1 to 9 and we'll draw out a few uh, bits as we read through. So he's just been at Philippi and then it says, when Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis Amphipopoli- Amphip- and Apollonia, (laughs) they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. This was his habit. He would go into a new place. Paul was a Jew, so he knew the Jews. He, would be, he wouldn't stand out amongst the Jewish people. He knew the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament, the, the Torah. He knew these inside out. And so he would regularly go to the Jews, to the Jews first, then to the Greeks, those who didn't know Yahweh, who didn't know God. So this was his custom. He wanted to win the Jews over. He wanted to give them a chance to repent and turn to the Savior, to the Messiah. So he went into the synagogue. Verse 3, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. This is the foundation that Paul wants to give them as he preaches the the good news of Jesus Christ to them for the very first time. He preaches to them that Christ must suffer and die. There's a chapter back in Isaiah in the Old Testament, Isaiah 53. And it's an incredible portrait of what's called the suffering servant. 
And it points forward to Jesus, who at the cross suffered for us, ultimately. Where Jesus took our place. He took the suffering that we deserve for the sins that we have committed, for the rebellion against God that we have given ourselves to. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need saving. We all need rescuing. This sin, our sin, creates a separation from God that only Jesus can bridge. Because he's perfect, because he never sinned, because he was perfectly righteous, through his death, through his resurrection, through his ascension, he's able to give us his righteousness. And those who accept it are made right with our creator. We're made right with the living God. This is the foundation that Paul goes in with. It's the foundation of the gospel. And we must always give ourselves to this foundation. We must always ensure that we are building upon this foundation. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 says that no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. We must make sure as elders that we are building upon this foundation, that we're teaching week after week upon this foundation. It's the gospel, and apostles are involved in that as well. They make sure that, actually, are you sticking to this foundation? So this is the gospel. We must never stray from it. We must never look to other worldviews, to other, other, other ways of... Uh, viewing the world, viewing ourselves, must always look to Jesus, to God's word, and build our foundation upon it and on it alone. Verse 4, some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks. So those would have been Greeks that didn't originally, they weren't born into the Jewish faith, but that at some point they heard about God and turned and followed him. And quite a few prominent women. So there are new followers. There are Jews, God-fearing Greeks, prominent women. Essentially it's saying that everyone who, uh, well not everyone, but the, the, a, a, a wide array of people in that society started following Jesus. It wasn't just restricted to the religious few. It wasn't just those who have got a religious gene, whatever that means, if you've, if you've heard that. It was all types of people. We too are made up of all types of people. Obviously, the church globally is made up of nationalities and different, uh, different people from different ways of life, different upbringings, different backgrounds. We're as a church here at City West, we're made up, made up, aren't we, of all different types of people. It's the beautiful fabric of, of uh, the, the Christian family, of the, the body of Christ, that different people are brought together. Everyone is welcome. And everyone is welcome because, as I said a minute ago, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, we are all in the same boat. We have all needed saving, rescuing. We had no way of getting out of the pit 
that we found ourselves in, the pit that we created for ourselves. We needed that hand out. We needed Jesus to come in to the pit and rescue us. So therefore, we welcome all people. Whoever comes into the door on a Sunday, it's welcome in. Come on in. The gospel is for you as much as it is for me. Come on in. It's good news. Verse 5 to 9. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters. It's not going to go well now, is it? (laughs) They rounded up some bad people. Uh, From the marketplace, they formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here, and Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they put Jason and the others on bail and let them go. And then just verse 10, as soon as it was night, the the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. So a mob is is formed, the new Christians, the new believers in that city immediately face affliction for turning to follow Jesus. And I imagine that they would have known that that was the case. They were starting to follow people, Paul and Silas, who were essentially, they were rebels to the order, to the cultural order that had been formed by the Roman government, by the Roman system. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, that, that they received the word in much affliction. And in the second letter, it says that these afflictions continued. They weren't just one-off. It wasn't just this single mob that caused them problems. Actually, in Thessalonica, as they, as they continued to follow Jesus, they faced persecution again and again, week after week, year after year. This is the backdrop and the context for the birthing of the church in Thessalonica. It was in much affliction that their faith was born, and out of that faith, we see two things grow. And we'll spend the the last few minutes of our time together looking at these. Firstly, out of this affliction, their love for one another grew, and secondly, their faith in God grew as well. We're going to be unpacking these in future weeks because these are, these are drawn out of parts of the letters. But I just thought it would be helpful for us to understand actually what are these people like? As they became Christians, what did they give themselves to? And what did their, as they chose to build on the foundation of Jesus Christ, what fruit was born as a result of that? And it's a growing love and a growing faith. 1 Thessalonians 4 Verse 9 says, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you. Paul is essentially saying, look, I will write to you about the things that I need to write to you about because you're not living up to that in Christ. But for this thing, for for the love that you have for one another, 
I don't even need to write to you. Jesus has taught you how to love one another. In 1 John 3.16, it says this, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. The root of our love for one another as a community of believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, the root of our love for one another must always be Jesus' love for us. That he laid down his life for us. That when we were sinners, when we were far from him, when we were rebelling against him, when we wanted nothing to do with him, whether we were trying to save ourselves and be self-righteous and maybe we grew up in the church and thought, I've got this, I'm good enough. Sure, I sin here, but actually I'm generally a good person. When we were in that place, far from God, Jesus laid down his life for us. John teaches here that love is sacrificial. Jesus laid down his love, his life for us. And we as a church, therefore, as brothers and sisters, we lay down our life for one another. I think we do this so well. I'm sure there's gaps. I'm sure it's in seasons we feel more loved by one another than, than, than in other seasons. But I want to encourage us and spur us on uh, in this. I know that we as a family, uh, I'm just going to give some examples, have experienced some of these things. And I know you guys would have experienced some of these things as well. Like, like giving, like financial provision for one another. Like when just you've been short for a month and you've experienced the goodness and grace of, a, uh, of, a, of another Christian in the church. Just say, look, do you, do you need this money? Do you want this money? I've, I was praying and I just felt prompted to give this amount to you. Like... Amazing provision, sacrificial love. We've been so good as a church at when someone's had a new baby or maybe someone's ill and they just, you know, just can't cook for themselves very well in a season, there's been meal rotors provided. Amazing. We have benefited three times from that. <laughs> it's not why we keep having children, uh, but uh, it's certainly one of the perks of those early weeks. Um, Amazing, amazing. I know uh, during COVID, like huge amounts of sacrificial love over, over that time. I know Sam and Eve, you guys gave us some, came around some cowpot, I think, wasn't it? Just like we were isolating, couldn't get to the shop. The kids were ill, obviously go straight to the cowpot. Um, and, uh, and they just delivered it. Like that sacrificial love. They went out of their way to do that. Being on a Sunday team as well. That sacrificial love. It's playing your part in the family, serving one another. Let me encourage you. In this season, as we come out of COVID, as things have looked different on Sundays, we want to encourage you, please step up and play a part on Sunday. Get on a rotor once every three, four weeks. You can do it. You can do it. If you feel tired and just like, I don't know how I'm going to fit that in, let me encourage you. It will bless you as you serve, as you give. It's, the Bible says that it's more blessed to give than to receive. You'll find friends alongside you who can encourage you and say, oh, you're tired today. Come on, let's do this together. Let's serve. We need you guys to serve. Do speak to Liz. Uh, she's sorting out some of the rotors like hospitality and some of the other 
other things. And uh, obviously, Katie mentioned about Twinklers, and th all the teams would benefit from, from some input. So, guys, come on, let's do that out of our love for one another. I know, you know, you guys have been involved in packing up each other's houses. You know, when you're just on the verge of a move, just that 11th hour, just we need some help. People have come round and, and rallied around. So let's continue to love one another. Let's not settle with what's gone before. 2 Thessalonians, in the second letter, it says that we, always, we are always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. When I read that, I think, actually, the work that God does in our hearts means that love should be growing. That as we embrace God's love for us, love will then exude out of our hearts. As we embrace God's grace for us and we just go, look, I'm, I'm, I'm a broken person that's experienced God's goodness. I can then extend that grace and that love to another person, because I'm not trying to do that by keeping up a front. I'm not trying to do that to impress someone. I, I, I'm just, just, just want to love them with God's love. So I love for one another. Let me encourage you. Let it be increasing. Let me encourage you to love when, it, when it's difficult to love. Jesus says, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. In my relationships, I find that uh, the times where I've, I just really don't want to love and I feel like someone hasn't earned that love or anything like that, I find that when I start praying for them or just a simple act of love towards them starts to create in me a love for them. And I think it's, it's not a love that comes from inside myself, but it's, it's, it's God's love being expressed by faith for the other person. And your heart starts to turn for them. So let's continue to love one another. Galatians 6 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We are God's family. You look out for your brothers. If you've got siblings, you look out for your brothers and sisters, don't you? Like, you know, you don't always get on. <laughs> don't always see eye to eye. It's not always easy. But there's that blood connection there. And in the family of God, Jesus has brought us together. Let's do good to, good to one another. So their love was growing and their faith was growing. In that same verse, we are always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. Faith is a muscle. I don't know if you've heard it described like that. The more it's exercised, the bigger it gets, the more that can be lifted. For me, I've never lifted a weight in my life. I know it's hard to believe, really hard to believe. I've given myself to other things. Um, <laughs> um, but it, you can tell, like there are certain things that I just can't lift. As a result, I haven't given myself to building up my physical muscles. This guy, Sam, if you don't mind, it's hard to tell. This is Tom Stoltman. He uh, was the world's strongest man of this year. 
he's exercised his muscles again and again, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. His muscles have grown as he's exercised them. Now, he is able to lift weights that I couldn't even dream of lifting. All because he's exercised his muscles. That's what faith is like. As we step out in faith, just even in little things, he would have started with just small weights. And they would have grown and grown. And that's what faith is like. Step out in the little things. You'll see God come through. And you'll be like, oh, I did that last time and that was okay. And I, let's do that again. Let's go again. A couple of examples. Common one is giving financially to the church or to, to others in the family or to, to charities, for example. As we've given sacrificially, as we've just gone and prayed and said, like, how much, God, do you want us to give in this next season or into a gift day? As we've then given, and, and it's been a little bit tight, it's like, oh, that's actually a bit uncomfortable, seeing God provide and come through. And that then enables us the next time to go, actually, we've got a story there of faith and God coming through. So we can step out again, and maybe, maybe it's more sacrificial the next time. But the muscles get, they get bigger and bigger, and we can step out in more and more faith. Maybe it's talking to a friend about Jesus. I'm sure we all find that a challenge, especially in our secular culture, where we're encouraged to just be quiet about our faith, have a private faith, especially where we know that our faith actually and the things that we believe about life, about sex, gender, actually puts us very much at odds with the cultural flow, puts us at odds really with maybe many of our friends and families and what they believe and what they would hold to. I've found, though, that as I've stepped out in love, as I've stepped out in speaking to my friends, actually, it's been okay. <laughs> I'm still standing. Um, certainly didn't experience a mob or being driven out of a city. But just seeing faith grow, it becomes easier the next time. And as you get in a, a rhythm, and I'm speaking to myself here, but you, 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 you build up your faith and go, actually, that was okay. And actually, I saw some, some fruit there. They, they were actually interested, or they came along to Alpha, or we did this. I was able to speak to them about this. Let me encourage you. Let's be stepping out in faith. And as we do, let's get our eyes fixed on, on God. He's our provider. He's our protector. He's our sustainer. He's our hope. He's our love. He's our rock. He's our refuge. Whenever we step out in loving someone or, or stepping out in faith, he's there with us. He loves that. He loves faith. Right. Let's stand if the band could uh, come back, that would be fantastic. We're going to respond. You should have some communion cups on your chairs. Uh, if not, there are some at, at the back, uh, just behind PA, if there's not enough around. As we respond, I want us to focus on the love that Jesus has for us. Because unless we get that foundation right, we'll just be moving forward with trying harder we won't be operating out of God's grace for us. God's love for us was demonstrated most visibly at the cross. If you haven't, if you haven't trusted in God for, for his grace, for, 
just saying to God, look, I've sinned, I've fallen short. Maybe you've been in church a long time, but actually you've just been doing it your own way. I want to encourage you that as you take communion, to say, Jesus, I need you. Yeah, I'm a sinner, I'm broken. I need your righteousness. As we look upwards to him, dwell at the cross, just spend some time as these guys play and lead us. As we look upwards to him, then let's look outwards to one another. Maybe just pray, Lord, do you, is there an opportunity you want to bring me into in this next season? Is there someone you want me to love in this next season? Be open to that. God might drop a name. Maybe it's someone in the the family here, maybe it's someone at work or uh, in the community, maybe it's a, a friend that you've, you've made. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for your love for us, that every day we're able to dwell on the, 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 the reality that we are loved, that we are cared for, that we are sons and daughters that you adopted us and that your affections overflow to us every day. This is good news, Lord, and I pray that we as a community of faith, Lord, would, would embrace that, that we would, we would uh, accept that gift of love for us, that we'd live out of that, that we'd love one another out of the love that you have for us. Well, we need your help in that. I pray soften our hearts where they've become hard towards maybe someone else in, in the church. Lord, would there be a softening and a love and a growing together, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.